Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Mallory Buford and Sharon Haynes from Fajitas Gogo coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is the owner of the SwankyMaven.com blog. Felice Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, 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 hey. I am happy to be back. I feel like you've neglected me a couple of weeks, but we're going to just go ahead and just roll past that because you made up for it this weekend. But I just have to say that. For the people, it's not me, it's Eric. Okay. Your, your, uh, your people are in your corner. Don't worry. I, I hear from them when, uh, when you go too long between appearances. Okay, great. Thanks, Pete. Love you, too. All right. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, with coronavirus infection rates going up, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced on Friday he has reduced restaurants from 75% capacity to 50%, and he has forced all bars statewide to close. Felice, let me just uh, let me just throw this to you. Do you feel like this is a necessary step to help control the spread of the coronavirus? I feel like it was a necessary step. It should have, we shouldn't even be here because I felt like we opened too early. So yes, I feel like it's a necessary step because you know, we didn't enforce it. I feel like it's a necessary step because we have to do something because it's out of control. Right. I Right. When we're looking at the situation and, and the ICU beds in the Texas Medical Center are yeah. getting up to or over 100% of their normal capacity. Now they have, you know, the medical center says, well, we have surge capacity, we have extra staff, we have all these other things. But but still, that's a concern uh, when the daily infection rate in Harris County is trending in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, but but it is unfortunate. I mean, you know, um, uh, Michael Neff, the owner of the Cottonmouth Club, has been very vocal about this. I'm sure you've seen some of his videos on Instagram yeah. and Facebook. You know, essentially, this is being done on the backs of hospitality workers who have not gotten any relief since the Paycheck Protection Plan you know, the stimulus checks that went out, like there's just, there's not really anything being done to help these businesses. And of course they're being uh, punished in a way um, to help no, the spread of the coronavirus. So, I agree. Yeah. so it may not be fair, um, but it is necessary. I mean, one of the things Michael Neff talked about in those videos is that, you know, they, they reopened the Cottonmouth Club. And the problem was that the people who felt comfortable going back to bars for the most part were the people who were least likely to follow rules about social distancing, wearing a mask, using hand sanitizer. So according to Michael, there's been a a wave of infections in bar staff throughout Houston, which obviously is um, unacceptable, right? People shouldn't have to risk their lives to do their jobs. Yeah. I, I, I feel for, the industry and kind of what Michael's saying, like you, you see it out. Like when you see um, videos and things like that, it is the people that 
they've just been waiting for it to open up. They weren't following the rules anyway. They don't, they, it's like they could care. They could care less about their health. So let alone they give a damn about mine and, and the next person. So it's, it's really unfortunate. It's, I, I feel bad for them. Um, and for the bars that allow it, you know, I feel like early on, if there were um, stricter, there was more enforcement and the fines and different things like that, we would have seen some of that, even though um, things opened early, we would have seen some of that just kind of die down and, and the numbers with the, the people breaking rules not be as bad. Right. I mean, TABC went out a couple of weeks ago and suspended liquor licenses for 30 days of 17 bars across the state of Texas. But you you have the feeling just from sort of driving around and and maybe looking at what people are posting to social media and looking at venue tags from some of these venues that um, that that 17 could have been 170 or, or maybe even. 1700 right that there was it could have been greater they could have put me on payroll and because i'm like i don't know what they didn't see that all of us saw (laughs) right so i am i mean i am sad about this i um i i had been to johnny's gold brick recently and and they were doing everything right you know they were controlling people's access to the building you had to order at your table you couldn't go up to the bar they were serving in disposable containers you know, I was I was really impressed, and I was I was happy to. I mean, I like going to bars. I like that experience of being able to to have a cocktail in a dimly lit space and and have a conversation with someone. But uh, you know, unfortunately, I think we're this is the situation we're in, and and that experience has to go away for a little while. And you know, it it could be thirty or even sixty days, I think, before these bars are allowed to reopen. Yeah, yeah, it, it's unfortunate, um, but I hope that in light of this happening that we're able to get some type of relief or something, the numbers start to go down just so we can get some semblance of what normal or new normal looks like. Yeah. Right. So, so let me ask you the question I've asked uh, the co-host for the last couple of weeks. Do you feel comfortable dining in restaurants? And since I, I know the answer to that question is yes, because we ate at a restaurant uh, this weekend. Tell me a little bit about what you look for when you're going to a restaurant, even with these infection rates going up. Like, what are you what are you looking for that makes you feel comfortable? I'm looking for people that are at following the rules, that are doing the social distancing, that are taking um, the precautions. The staff has the mask on. They have the um, hand sanitation area when you walk in. The paper menus. Um, just th- things like that when I'm dining in. Um, I If they're not doing the social distancing with like the tables and all that, then I'm going to, I leave. I've, I li- Well, of course, me being me, I say, hey, you know, you're not following the rules. There are X, Y, you have too many people in here. And if someone comes in, y'all going to get shut down and goodbye. Like literally, because you're putting yourself and me at risk and then I leave. But um, I'm more comfortable going to restaurants that have patios with the um, fresh air and they're doing the social distancing. That's more my comfort level. But um, I have dined inside and those the things I just mentioned are definitely what I'm looking for. Yeah, no, I I think I'm with you. I've been 
I've been, as I said, strategically eating in restaurant dining rooms. I went to uh, Theodore Rex last week and had a really nice dinner. I've been to a couple of Chris Shepard's places. Um, but I, I do think even with the summer heat that it may be time to sort of pull back on inside dining rooms, go back to patio only for a little bit and just kind of ride this out and see uh, see where these infection rates go. But I mean, obviously, you know, these restaurants are really struggling and, and you know, it, it seems unlikely at least that there's going to be any more relief from the government coming. So, you know, it's, it's on us, you know, if we, if we want to have these restaurants for when, you know, things calm down, the infection rate goes down, maybe even a vaccine. Like if we don't get out and support them either by dining on their patios or, or getting to go, uh, it's not clear how many of them are going to survive. And that's why I tell people um, that aren't comfortable dining out yet. I'm like, Hey, do to go, you know, like do curbside. You don't even have to get out. Most, a lot of places, you don't have to get out of your car. They have a really good system and they've been doing it long enough now, even if they did go back to dine in, um, most of them still offer the curbside and pickup. They have it down. I mean, it's like they've never not done it, right? Like it's just, it's clockwork. So I encourage people to do that because we need these restaurants to be able to um, be around um, after, after this is over with. Right. So that brings me to topic number two. Uh, Governor Abbott taketh away capacity, but he also giveth the ability to sell premixed cocktails. This is something that the Texas Restaurant Association in particular has been lobbying for since this started. Uh, previously, they could sell cocktail kits with the liquor separate from the uh, various other ingredients. But now bars and restaurants can sell pre-mixed cocktails that are ready to drink, uh, provided they seal them in a certain way and they package them in a certain way. But I, I would say this is, you know, at a time when maybe people don't want to eat at restaurants or maybe pulling back like, like we just discussed, uh, I think this is a big win for bars and restaurants. I agree. I agree. We've been wanting, if you think about it, um, I'm a little bit older than you, so maybe you may not have ever wished for this, but I remember going to events in um, Louisiana and, you know, you could always do that. And I've always, during my college days, wishing, man, I wish we had that in Texas, right? Where you could get a cocktail to go and not have to worry about anything. So for us to be able to have it now and it's not going to go away. Yeah, I think it's a huge, huge, huge win. I'm, I'm excited about it. All right, so let me ask you just a couple of questions. Do you think that whether a restaurant sells cocktails to go or not will influence whether you order from them? And then do you think you will order, like if you get a, well, I don't know, we'll just pick, because I know, I feel like Sean Beck's going to be all over this. So <laughs> if you got an order of, you know, enchiladas or something from Hugo's, would you also get a margarita to go? Definitely. I would definitely get that. However, your first question, will it influence me to pick one restaurant over another? No, it will not. Right. Because it's I'm used to not have, being able to do it anyway. So it's not it's so new that it's great. Right. Like it's a novelty and I'm excited about being able to do it. But I'm not going to go 
to A over B because they're not offering it now. See, I think I think I'm on the other boat. Like I am so excited really? that this is happening and I'm intrigued by the novelty of it. And so I, I you know, I'll give I'll give places a few days to roll this out, but say like a week from now, uh, mm-hmm. once they've kind of had a chance to adjust, you know, give me if you give me the choice of a place that's selling cocktails to go or not selling cocktails to go, well, you know, give me the one that's doing the cocktails. Like let me let me see what that's all about. Let me have a let me have a little adult beverage with my takeout order. But so if it were, so say it was one of your favorite places, you would still go to your favorite place if they didn't offer cocktails. You would still well, go. Of course. You may not would pick the other. You may not would pick, oh, this is okay. You would still go with, I think you would go with your favorite place over the place that's like, okay, because they're offering cocktails. No, I, I think you're, well, of course, there are certainly some places that I like so much it doesn't matter whether or not they offer cocktails, but I, I do want to try this out. I do kind of want to see what this is all about, and I I will be seeking this out over the next, say, a couple of weeks because I, you know, I've been I keep Topo Chico and and Coke Zero at home, and that gets a little boring. So I'm yeah. I'm ready for uh, I'm ready for a new taste sensation. See, and that's the difference. I keep a full bar at home. <laughs> so if I only had Topo Chico at home. I would probably go with what you just said. But since I, that's not the case, I'm like, hey, I can whip up something real quick to go with whatever I'm having. <laughs> All right. Let us move on to topic number three, uh, actual food news. I like to have at least one piece of actual food news for us to break down every week. Common Bond has announced that their drive through on the go concept is expanding. They just opened one in the Heights in May. Uh, and they've already signed a lease for a new location in Garden Oaks on Shepherd, North Shepherd, just uh, just north of 610. Um, Felice, I talked to George Joseph. He's the owner of Common Bond. He kind of sees this as the future for them. And I'll probably have him on the podcast here in the next few weeks to kind of break that down for us. But, you know, he won't. He won't say it because he doesn't want to poke the he doesn't want to poke the make the eight hundred pound gorilla mad, but essentially, if you had the choice between like in the morning, if you're got coffee and a and a little pastry, if you had the choice between Starbucks and Common Bond, wouldn't you choose Common Bond like ten times out of ten? Ten times out of ten, no brainer. Like <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's it's not even a competition really. Because Common Bond, if there were, I'm so excited about um, this expansion and them like opening multiple locations outside of the original um, and the locations that they have. It's very exciting for me because I've always said, I wish I were closer. That's one of those places that I just don't get to go to as often as I would like because it's not close. Um, so I'm really excited. I, I, I agree with, um, I, as it being the future for them, I think that um, as popular as they are now, it's just going to keep going up. Well, and this is, this is a time of kind of growth for them. I mean, they opened that location in the Heights last year, obviously. They opened, uh, they opened this on-the-go concept in the former Lee's Fried Chicken and Donuts in May. And then they have two new like full service cafe bakeries that are 
scheduled to open this summer. One up in uh, Springwoods Village, which is just kind of south of the Woodlands, and then another one downtown, uh, right next to the understory food hall. So this is a time of growth for them. And then, you know, really the the only thing sort of limiting Common Bond on the go from growing as quickly as possible is just finding these shuttered uh, drive-throughs because. Uh, you know, especially right now, right, when everybody wants to social distance and, and dine-in is reduced, you know, these uh, these drive through locations are very desirable. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to, you know, see what the future holds and to have a success story right now with our industry. You know, you it, it makes you feel good and you're cheering for them. Absolutely. All right. Felice, that does it for the News of the Week. We'll be right back with our Restaurants of the Week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Felice, for our Restaurants of the Week, we're going to do something a little bit different in the sense that we're going to talk about a restaurant that you actually talked about the last time you were on the show. Uh, You got me... I'm going to say you got me farther from my Montrose apartment than I have been since everything shut down for coronavirus. Uh, you got me west of the Beltway for two different places. Let's start with Chick House. This is Chef Roberto Castre of uh, Latin Bites. This is his new Peruvian chicken concept. It is located at Highway 6, just north of I-10. Felice, I'd say we had a really good lunch at, at Chick House. We had, uh, we had the rotisserie chicken, obviously. We had a chicken sandwich, we had a pork sandwich, and we had the lomo saltado, which was a, a seared beef in a bowl with uh, vegetables and rice and french fries. Right. Let me just throw it to you. What uh, what about Chick House did you like? What, what was your favorite couple of dishes from our lunch together? I would say all of the above. You know how excited I am about this place. I've been harassing you. I feel harassing you. You're like, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to get out there. And I know how you are about outside the loop. Not that you don't want to go. It just, like you said, it's that pushing. And so I was so excited to get you out there. And we got like all my favorite dishes. Um, That the chicken sandwich, I think the chicken sandwich that we had with um it has the yellow sauce um bacon right (laughs) yeah bacon uh tomato some crispy um like some crispy potatoes on there and it's all just usually i don't like all that together right you know like i'm kind of i don't usually like the messy um dish but it was it's delicious and that i think that i like that um and the rotisserie chicken, just the classic um, Peruvian chicken that um, they just they just knock it out of the park with that. Yeah, no, it's a really it, it's a really satisfying sandwich. It is a a big sloppy messy sandwich that'll definitely <laughs> uh, drip down on your shirt and all that. But you know, it's got a like you said, it's got a really good variety of flavors, textures, different things kind of coming at you. Uh, I agree with you about the rotisserie chicken. I thought. It's juicy. The skin is crispy, you know, and the sides are really good. I mean, those plantains are first rate. Oh, yeah. Um, that fried rice had this really delightful, fluffy texture. You know, I just uh, it's a it's an impressive operation and the whole thing's really affordable. I mean, we ordered way more food than two people would usually order. I think our our whole bill would have been about 40 bucks. So, yeah, 
Um, yeah. Very affordable, very accessible. And, and I will say, uh, like I said to you, as we were having lunch there, you know, when I did the top 100 Houston restaurants for Culture Map last year, you know, I liked that it, when you get into the kind of the 80s and 90s, it's like, well, give me like one really outstanding dish, right? Something I can tell people like this is this is the best version of that in Houston. Right. Uh, and I kind of feel like Chick House is in the mix for that because that rotisserie chicken is so good, you know, just so juicy and flavorful. Um, I won't say that I've made like an exhaustive study of rotisserie chicken necessarily, uh, but uh, give me give me chick cows over any grocery store rotisserie chicken I've had in a really long time. Yeah, they do a really good job. And as you said, the price is perfect. And one funny thing that during this time, they open during the pandemic and they, they've been pretty busy. They've had days where they've sold out and where they're located. It's usually that that area you would get the business from um, all those businesses at Park 10. And for them to be able to be successful right now and have a nice, steady flow, they're doing some good food. Absolutely. All right. And then we did something uh, a little bit unusual for our second restaurant this week. I want to talk to you about Proper Rose Garden. This is a new kind of tea house and cafe in Katy. It's right near Katy, Asian town, but it's not actually in Katy Asian Town, it's like in a, an adjacent little side. development. Yeah, yeah, on, on the, the new side. side. Yeah, mm-hmm. right across um, the street. What did you? Uh, well, no, I'm not going to say what did you think <laughs> of this because I know what you think of this. Tell the people what you told me about any man who you think takes a date to proper Rose Garden. Well, before we get there, I must tell you guys, Eric was actually the one that put this on my radar. I was like, okay, Eric. Now I had seen it, and I'm like, I want to check it out. Then Eric comes around and says, hey, we got to go to this tea house. I go, really? Okay, Eric. So and he gets a check mark there. Well, yes, and- I had seen I had seen all the influencers on Instagram had been there. So good job, influencers. You, yeah, it worked. I was I was successfully influenced it, in the one. You were intrigued. Try. He wanted to go. So we get there. It's I mean, the decor, it is just delightful. Um, the ambiance, the little booth, everything about it was just done very well, very attention to detail. So we sit down, we get everything. You know, Eric is into it, I'm into it. And I said, you know, if you bring a girl here, you know, this is, and I'm going to say it as I said it, because Eric will call me out if I don't. I said, if you bring a girl here on a date, it's a panty dropper. This right here is a panty dropper. Whoa. Period. The end. It's done. Okay? And Eric's like, really? And I said, at least a second date. I mean, but my first, probably a panty dropper. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Because of the thought, she's thinking like, you brought me here. It's it's just the thought that goes into it. That's all, all right, I'm saying. So- so what are the maybe the two or three elements at Proper Rose Garden that make it, to use your words, a panty dropper? Now people are going to want to take their kids and their family. For us, a date-wise... It's very kid-friendly. It's very... It's, 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 it is very kid-friendly. 
So, you know, you have that aspect. Let's talk about the kid-friendly part. It's a great place as for people to take their daughters and sons and do like the tea party thing. And um, so that's cool for girls to get together because they have a mixed menu, right? Um, so it's not just the tea and the sandwiches. But far as a date, um, I think that what that's a perfect date because you have the mix of um, dumplings, if you want to go like traditional food, um, and just the nice ambiance of like cool little booths that you have your own little area. And it can be quite romantic for a daytime date. Um, so I was just like, and just the thought that goes into it, like for a guy to take you there, opposed to taking you to get some like beer and wings, you know, that's about him. This would be about you, the, the person going on the date. That's, that's what I think. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that sort of contribute to it. It's, it's really cute inside with the chandeliers. You have the China tea sets. Um, that add like a real note of elegance and obviously the menu is kind of sweet and savory so if you want to do you know kind of Chinese style fried chicken you know dumplings you had an egg salad sandwich that you really liked uh, you know all of those things are available or you can just do dessert you can do uh, we had a matcha crepe cake we had a really delicious uh, lava toast you know so you can kind of you can go sweet they have the, the really elaborate kind of cookie tray with the sandwich on it. Yeah. Uh, so lots of, uh, it, it's kind of, you, you can, can drink wine. Yeah. Think about it. We didn't wine. get the wine. They have the wine. Yeah. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different directions. And, and again, I, I really do think it's about sort of ambiance and service and, and atmosphere. I think it, it, it really does all those things really well. So as a guy, even though the way I described it, as a guy, do you, would you feel like, you could just go there without being on a date or with like, you know, like with me or one of your homegirls. Yeah, I could I could definitely go there with one of my homegirls. I, I thought that it might be really fun to have like a tea party with my nieces who are, you know, kind of preschool age. You know, I thought that might be really fun, you know, and outing with my with my mother and my nieces might be really fun. I would not go there with male friends. <laughs> it is, it's like it, I don't, I don't really see, I don't really see that happening. It, it's um, on the spectrum of like, you know, uh, like if Tiny Boxwoods is kind of a, a very female-friendly restaurant, like mm -hmm. uh, proper Proper Rose Garden is even even farther farther down that spectrum. That's a good, yeah, you know what? That's a good comparison, like a tiny, yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, I would say. I wouldn't see guys just going with their homies, but, you know, maybe by themselves or to catch some, I don't know. Yeah, female forward, definitely. Right. Oh, I mean, although you certainly could, and, and I think the staff would be, would be, again, very welcoming, and I think it just might, you know, might feel a little strange, but, but you know, what are you going to do? Um <laughs> So you'll go back. I'll definitely go back. And, you know, it's in my hood, so I'm already planning to go back. So we did. Let me talk about this. If you're a tea drinker, you could just go there and order tea. They have a very extensive tea menu. And um, I want to go and just check out all those teas. So I definitely will be back. 
just so I can get through um, the tea list because it was quite impressive. Absolutely. All right, Felice, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. It was a fun show today. Absolutely. And I will be right back with Mallory Buford and Sharon Haynes. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Chef Mallory Buford and Sharon Haynes. They are the owners of Fajitas Agogo. Quite a bit to talk about. Let me introduce you all individually so people can hear your voices. Sharon Haynes, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Mallory, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. Uh, thank you for having us, or me as well. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being here. You know, I always kind of like to start these conversations at the beginning of people's careers. So, Sharon, can you tell me a little bit about kind of how you got into the restaurant business? Sure. It was um, it was kind of by default. I was um, I was a bartender, well, in New York City, and then here in Houston to support my art habit. I worked in commercial photography in New York City and then did a little bit of the same here. And then I started welding. And um, and so I was bartending um, way back in the day in Shepherd Square. And um, a, a fellow bartender and I decided we would um, open up our own bar. So we started looking for spaces around town and we came across the old Henry Brashear building in downtown Houston right before the revitalization of, of downtown. It was right behind the Rice Lofts. And we um, found this wonderful three-story building and decided it had to be a restaurant on the ground floor. And then we could do our bar up on the second floor. And so we found a chef, uh, Chef Arturo Boada, and we partnered with him. We opened Solero Restaurant in downtown. And that was um, really kind of my first foray into the restaurant business. And, um, and then we opened our bar called the Swank Lounge on the second floor of that. And then um, did that. And I did a, a sort of a New York style diner in that neighborhood and um, did that for a while. And then, um, and then basically started a family and being in the restaurant business and doing all of that all at once was a lot. So, um, so I got out of the restaurant business and, and downtown kind of had had its ups and downs at that point. And, um, and then was kind of pulled back into it when the, uh, Tacos a go-go spot right next to the Continental Club um, was offered to me by the developers and partners of the Houston Continental Club and it was the perfect spot to do like sort of a Tex-Mex style uh, taqueria and so in um, 2006 we opened up um, Tacos a go-go the first location about 14 years ago all right I will we will come back to Tacos a go-go Mallory let me let me bring you in how did you kind of develop your interest in the restaurant business and uh, kind of grow your career? Well, let's see. I'm originally from Little Rock, Arkansas, and I started working uh, basically in restaurants then as a teenager, and I ended up kind of liking it and ended up being pretty good at it. So I kind of was always in the restaurant business, always was kind of working there since I was about 14. Uh, back and forth, I was pretty much the only job I've really ever had. Uh, ended up going to college for a little bit, thinking I was going to go to uh, med school, and actually ended up not really 
liking school as much as I, or actually liking school too much, having too much fun and not going to classes. So I ended up kind of changing my major to uh, culinary arts. So I uh, went to two years of college and then after that took a year off and then went to uh, the uh, Culinary Institute of America. Did what pretty well in my classes there. Ended up doing an internship in D.C. Uh, for with Mark Miller at the Red Sage right when that first started up and it was that was in 94. After I left there, I went back to school, came back, ended up back in D.C. and worked for a guy named uh, Bob Kincaid. After a couple of years in D.C., I decided I needed to go back to New York or to New York City and just kind of grow my repertoire and kind of work for some better people and stuff like that. So I spent the next five years in D.C., I mean, in New York City working for basically whoever would hire me, the big names and stuff like that. I kind of did what I tell everyone not to do and worked about three or four months at each restaurant and then left and went somewhere else. So I was there for about five years until I realized it's you know too expensive to live there for a long term, especially on a cook salary. I ended up getting a job back with Bob and Kate and moving back to D.C., where I stayed in D.C. for the next, I guess, 10 years or so. And while I was there, uh, a friend of mine that I worked with before at Kincaid's named Jeff Black, who's a native Houstonian, uh, was opening restaurants. Uh, was opening another restaurant, and uh, he had one in, in Maryland, in Rockville, Maryland, and he was opening another one in D.C., Worked for him for a while, ended up becoming a partner with him at Black Restaurant Group. He has five restaurants there in D.C. Started working here in Houston. He wanted to kind of, he was friends with uh, with our partner at Tacos A Go Go named Kevin Hanneratty. He went to college with him and Kevin was started to talk to Sharon. Sharon wanted to guess kind of expand Tacos A Go Go. And so we kind of all got together and ended up kind of doing that so that's what brought me to houston four years ago to help with help with the opening of tacos a go go but also in that thing we ended up uh opening up fajitas a go go we saw this restaurant there uh i guess we bought the building on kirby and realized it was a little bit too small to be a tacos or at least not enough parking for it and so we wanted to do this other concept jeff thought we could do something a little bit do fajitas a little bit better than most people do it and we could do it more of a takeout and catering. So that's what we thought we Houston right, needed. So, right. So Sharon, let me let me bring you back into this. Um, you had Tacos a Go Go, mm-hmm. which you had grown successfully to uh, what five or six locations now, right? Well, no. At the time, uh, I I really had two. I had the downtown, well, the Midtown location, and then I had opened up the uh, my second location in the Heights, and then I met Kevin, um, and. Jeff Black and the two of them, then uh, we created a plan to open several others. And so we opened uh, our third location at um, TC Jester. And then um, this site popped up for in, in West U that we all really love the building. We we love the possibilities, but you know the the parking wasn't really right. The the even the whole layout wasn't exactly right for for tacos a go go. So we ended up coming up with this concept of fajitas a go go. Right, and then so Sharon, how would you sort of describe fajitas a go go? I, I mean, because it, it seems like you could have you could have just added fajitas to the tacos a go go menu, right? Like, but but this is a distinct concept. Yeah, it's a distinct concept. So the, the idea, you know, as as Jeff would come to Houston and and we would go to these different fajitas restaurants, 
um, we really kind of realized it, it's almost like the tacos ago. It's almost like a, I don't know, like a taqueria version of Tex-Mex food. It was like, it was like um, just a way to, uh, well, first of all, he realized that he didn't love the way the, the cuts of meat that people used, and I'll let Mallory talk more about that, and the, the way they had to treat this meat in order to make it tender and edible. And um, he really opposed all of that. But we really felt like we could create um, kind of a almost like a quick stop um, and delivery idea for fajitas that um, that was going to be food cooked over wood because that's a, a real key component for good fajitas and of course at tacos a go-go we don't we don't have wood flames we don't we we cook everything on on flat tops and over gas and and so the real distinction there was to to be able to cook this food and good food over wood yeah mallory i guess talk a little bit about the fajita recipe because it's i mean obviously it's a central part of the concept but you you do things a little different you don't you don't use outside skirt you don't use a yeah. A complex marinade. I mean, how did you really well, like? How did you come to those decisions? Well, we kind of wanted to go back to kind of what the roots of uh, fajitas were, I guess. Uh, just you know, meat cooked over a a wood grill or whatever, just cooked basically on the land or whatever. Uh, so, and we thought, you know, skirt steak. We understand why originally it was used that because it was a cheap cut of meat, but to make it palatable whatever you have to use either marinades or you know tenderize and stuff like that and we didn't want to do that and we knew that there are better cuts of meat out there that taste like steak so that's why we use uh, flat meat uh, for our fajita recipe and we think it tastes more like like beef instead of pineapple or soy sauce or whatever else things have gotten to be like uh and we wanted to just simply season it salt pepper and wood and just use let the smoke uh and let the smoke kind of give it the flavor of uh, of the meat. So we thought if we did something like this, it would be a better quality product, and uh, and we could do it a lot better than and you know just overall better is what we thought is what kind of our slogan is just better fajitas. Yeah, the other thing I mean I I will say and I I told this to Sharon earlier. She very generously dropped some some fajitas to go go off for me to have for lunch today. Um, I'm a I'm a pretty regular fajitas to go go customer. I mean it's uh, it's relatively close to my apartment and and it's a good affordable delivery option. Um, the thing I always find myself doing when I order is I get an extra thing of tortillas because mm-hmm. I really like your tortillas. So just uh, what are, what are you doing with your flour tortillas? Because they you know that's a obviously a, a competitive. Uh, yeah, again, it's just uh, I mean the. The, uh, I mean, being from, you know, more from fine dining or from uh, uh, being from fine dining where I came from and from Jeff, whatever, we just wanted to make things as close to as ha- by hand and with as minimal ingredients as possible. So all our stuff is just like super simple. We try to make it, uh, you know, kind of make it where, you know, uh, less is more. So our so our, our tortillas are made fresh every day. Uh, and I think that helps a lot and that, you know, we, we don't put a lot of, uh, chemicals or anything in it. So, uh, we do have baking powder in it and stuff. So we did, and it's probably a little bit more baking powder, uh, than most recipes. So we give it a little bit more, so they're a little bit lighter. We kind of did that on purpose so that they will be a lighter tortilla 
we just really want to make sure that they uh, they do hold together. And uh, yeah, if, but if you do notice, our the problem is that they just don't last very long. So if you if you're not they're not hot and you don't eat them almost immediately, they're not very good, which is kind of, which is kind of bad. Which is you know which we couldn't use. Uh, you know, with the amount of taco uh, of tortillas that we use at tacos, whatever, it's become almost impossible for us to do that there. That's why we don't make everything by hand over there. So, Sharon, how's it? Um, I mean, how's it going? I mean, this is a a very challenging time for the restaurant business, but I would think that being a, a primarily to go concept has probably served y'all pretty well. So it's funny. Um, it has, which has been a little bit of. Uh, you know, change is the wrong word, but you know, a lot of people when they eat fajitas, they expect to go sit down in a restaurant and drink margaritas and eat. So, you know, uh, we definitely through the years of being open there have had, you know, people that come in that are surprised to kind of see that our space is, there's very little seating. Um, there's a really cute outdoor patio, but you know, the interior seating, there's, there's three tables and that's it. And you know, the predominant idea of this thing is to go and, um, and, you know, which has worked out great. We do a lot of catering. We lot of, do a lot of to go, but obviously, you know, with the pandemic at hand and what we're facing here, this is a, a better than ever concept to be in right now. And, um, and, and so, you know, thankfully we have um, done very well throughout this and uh, you know, because we by design have created this concept that, you know, and taking into effect all of those things the packaging and you know the handling of the food so um you know so when it gets to someone's home or office it's it's the way we want it to be so um so we feel really lucky and fortunate that um you know that we unlike a lot of other restaurants in, in this one we're kind of set up already to do exactly what the climate demands and um so we're we're thanking our lucky stars. Yeah, Mallory, I know packaging is so important. I mean, you know, part of the fajita eating experience is having to come to the table on that sizzling comal, mm-hmm. you know, with the sound and the sight and everything. Um, how did you kind of figure out the packaging to keep things sort of hot and at a, you know, at a good texture even? Yeah, I mean, again, we just had to try to trial and error, and you know, some of it's not exactly what we want because either, especially now, we've the packaging has changed a little bit in the last couple of months, whatever, just because we haven't been able to get the the stuff we had before, just because of uh, the situation in the world right now, uh, things are changing. So, uh, so we're always trying to change and try try to upgrade it, but. Um, yeah, again, we, that's kind of like why we like this cut of meat that we use and have something you can cook it, you know, you can cook it to medium rare and it'll still, it takes, it's not super thin where it's going to overcook like uh, other fajitas and it and it tastes great with it uh, not overcooked. So uh, so we do try to cook it about uh, medium rare, medium, uh, and, you know, we're just pretty lucky that it does travel pretty well and we figured out that. Yeah, if you put the onions and you put everything together, the moisture and stuff in it still keeps it the way it should. And so. Sharon, you're you're featured in a new cookbook called Cereal Griller, uh, a really nice kind of multi-page spread of the restaurant, a little bit of history, and and some of your key recipes. Um, how did that opportunity kind of come together for you guys? 
So um, it was kind of random, honestly. We, um, uh, I got a call at Tacos ago um, because the the writer of the book, Matt Moore, he, um, I guess, our menu at Tacos Ago had beef fajita tacos on the menu. So he literally just randomly called the restaurant and and I talked to him and he told me what he was doing and he wanted to write this book about about grilling and it started asking me some questions about, you know, our our tacos and our 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 specifically our fajita tacos. And, you know, I I had to tell him we we just we cooked them on a on a top and and um, uh, but I said, you know, well, we do have a concept that, you know, could work. And and I restaurant had only been open maybe not even a year. I'm not sure. And and uh, and so he's he became very interested in the idea of fajitas a go go and um, and scheduled a, a trip down to, you know, come check the place out and taste the food and see what we were doing and and, and did so and, and loved loved all of it. And so decided to include us in his book. And then, uh, I mean, you know, obviously uh, it's going really well, and and you're you're having some success. I mean, do you do you think about future locations of Fajitas to Go Go? Do you want to grow this concept? Uh, yeah, we do. I mean, we're always looking for more opportunities to to grow this. Um, uh, that along with tacos, but yeah, most definitely. We've even considered um, trying to look at how we could do. A- know like sort of a concept together out of one location and um yeah we've we've considered many different options for for both concepts what's like the the hidden secret on the uh fetus to go go menu like what what do people not order enough of that you think they should try uh i mean i think the rotisserie chicken is is amazing and i don't think enough people order that i think uh, maybe because it's, I don't understand why, because it's really, really good. And also the uh, pork. A lot of people don't realize that we have pork on the menu, and we do it kind of a more of a Salvadorian kind of style with uh, with this uh, cordudo, uh, cordudo uh, Salvadorian slaw with it. Uh, but that's more of a kind of a spicy, almost barbecued pork. Uh, so we just take pork butts and put them on a rotisserie and cook it to so he's get a lot of smoke. He gets a lot of uh, flavor from the marinade and the rub, and I think it's amazing. But most people don't really think of fajitas as a pork fajita. So yeah, you guys gave me a link of that uh, boar sausage. Or the sausage, yeah. Um, it gets a little. I guess it gets a little smoke from the grill. It's a really tasty, right. you know, wrapped up in a tortilla, slathered with a little guacamole. That was uh, very yeah, satisfying. That- yeah, and and that's a recipe that I just kind of made before we opened up this the the uh, this concept, whatever. And we had when the local companies makes it for us, whatever. It's my recipe, and they just um, they make it for for us, and it yeah, it turned out pretty well. It is it's good. It's been on the menu since day one, and does pretty well. And then you guys have always had a margarita mix available with this new uh, change in the law that allows restaurants to sell cocktails to go. Do you? Uh, you think you might add a liquor license or you're going to kind of stick with what you're doing? I think we're going to stick with what we're doing. Um, you know, because the, the mix is well known and most people, well, lots of people, maybe not everyone, but you know, it's easy to pick up a bottle of tequila and the mix is really what makes it special. And 
Again, that's a Mallory recipe and it's got agave and tons of fresh lime. And I mean, it's a really refreshing drink and, and, you know, so you can, your gold or silver tequila, whichever you prefer. And, and, and the mix is really what, what we're known for now. Um, so we'll probably stick to that. Mallory, do you have a, a favorite tequila that you pair with your uh, margarita mix? Uh, to be quite honest, I don't really have a favorite. It's usually something like Espolón, something a little bit. Uh, I mean, I drink a lot of it, so it's usually something pretty cheap or whatever. So I get, I, it's usually like a le- uh, I like Espolón, the Espolón uh, uh, Reposados, probably the, my favorite one with it, or my most common, I would say, with it. Uh, but anything will go, will do. I think it's more the just the freshness of it, the the fresh limes that we use for it makes it uh, makes a big difference. So you make that every day? Yes. Yeah, pretty much every day. Uh, yeah, a couple of batches every day. It's yeah, uh, it's not the the most fun job there at the restaurant. You know, squeezing a, a case of limes every day. But yeah, we do. I mean, seeing as it's uh, July Fourth weekend, do you guys have any uh, special promotions on tap for uh, for the holiday? Yeah, well, we were doing the uh, we were we were kind of featuring some stuff from the book, and we were selling kind of we were trying to get some uh, sales of the book. So we were doing basically for for Father's Day, but uh, last weekend we had a grill pack, you know, that had some of our uh, some of our uh, flank steak, uh, our, our flat meat, flap sirloin, the sausage and shrimp, and and then all the sides and stuff there. But we were serving it raw so that people and the book so people could go and cook their own uh, fajitas, kind of take fajitas a go-go to their house so we're hopefully hopefully some people will be doing that this week uh for we're doing the same promotion so it's a hundred dollars for uh two pounds of beef a pound of shrimp and a pound of the sausage plus uh the tortillas chips salsa guacamole and uh rice and beans and a copy of matt moore's book so people can go home learn how to read the book learn how to cook fajitas at home so it might end up backfiring on us and people learn how to do all this stuff and not order from us anymore but hopefully uh, it'll be a fun thing for this weekend that people can go and uh and learn how to cook and you know so we'll see uh yeah so we're doing that this weekend and you know just normal grilling weather whatever for people that you know want to have fajitas so so what's we'll the be secret for uh what's what's the one key thing to keep in mind for anybody who's trying to who buys that pack and is grilling up their own fajitas i mean it's just basically you need a hot grill so as long as you have a nice hot grill, whatever, you'll be fine, whatever. It's not hard. I mean, it's 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 cooking. We've been doing this since the beginning of time, since fire. So we should be able to, everyone should be able to do this. So, uh, yeah, just get a nice hot grill. So a margarita in one hand, some tongs in the other. You'll be good. You'll be good to go. Well, I got to say that uh, that does bring me to the end of my questions. Unless there's a, is there something else you would like to discuss? Something else we should know about either fajitas to go go or tacos to go go? Well, I would like to add that Mallory's done a, a few Facebook Lives that are, are on our Facebook pages that um, sort of walk people through the, the process of cooking meat as well. So if they if they need that additional assistance, there's some, some video to help them out. Yeah, and I will be doing another one of those on Thursday, uh, just on, on cooking, uh, cooking our meat. So... Uh, yeah, of cooking fajitas. So yeah, you can look for that on Thursday. All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. 
Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Sharon, let me let me start with you. What is your favorite ingredient? Oh, probably the avocado. <laughs> Mallory, how about you? Uh, my favorite ingredient would probably be butter, fat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a, a true French-trained chef. Yeah. Uh, Mallory, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, it would be Def Leppard. Sharon, how about you? The Pretenders. That's a very cool answer. Sharon, what is your fast food guilty <laughs> pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Um, the stuffed jalapenos at what's one. I'm not much of a fast food person, and I'm mostly vegetarian, but um, I can't remember which one. All right, fair enough. Mallory, how about you? I would have probably have to say Church's Chicken. All right. Uh, Sharon, do you have a favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Um, Hakeem Olajuwon. Mallory, you're, you're, you're still in D.C., right? So do you have a favorite um, uh, D.C. sports figure, past or present? Uh, yeah, I'm still kind of D.C. I mean, it's going to be bad, but Gilbert Arenas is probably. Agent <laughs> Zero, no. Agent Zero, right. yeah. I will, I will take that. And then finally, Mallory, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? Uh, for pizzeria first time, I would just do a margarita, just basic, uh, whatever, or just do, yeah, just basil or buffalo mozzarella. if They have it. Sharon, how about you? All right. Very good. Um, well, thank Thanks you both you. very much for, for joining me. Thanks a lot, Eric. Appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.